Hey, this is Scott. Thanks for checking out the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church. Hope it's encouraging for you and helps you take your next steps in your faith journey. Enjoy. I haven't had the privilege to meet you yet. I'd love to do that after the service. Thanks for being here with us this weekend. If you're online, if you're here in person, uh, this is a, a special time for us. It's a critical series as we talk about Let's Go. And if you've missed any of that, as always, you can catch up on the app or online. And this is really a conversation that we're having over a series of four weeks as a church body. And this is an important, uh, you know, we, we would consider it kind of every weekend an important weekend where we'd want to seek out knowing and living and giving the gospel away to our community. But this one is unique in kind of the life of our church and the future of our church. And you've probably picked that up as it's infiltrated some of the communications we've been sending out and even our calendar as a church together. You've heard us say things like, hey, we want you to memorize Joshua 1.9 and we want to come together to be praying praying for what God's doing in our midst, and we would even gather together in smaller groups to dream about the future as a church. And maybe for some of you, you're like, I'm totally past, let's go. Like, let's go past, let's go, right? But what I would say to you is this, that we want to make sure that over the course of this series that we're actually discipling the body, discipling the church well, and, and understanding the spiritual implications of this conversation that we're going through. And we've said this, we've said that Let's Go is really a church-wide family adventure as we travel from here to there. And we've said that our here is actually really incredible when we think about all that God has carried us through and how he's blessed us and brought people here and we've seen things grow here and we really want to celebrate what God has done, honor him for all of that. But we also know this, that the spirit of God is never, hey, play it safe, uh, just do what's easy, just continue to coast. We would say that we believe that God is calling us to move forward. In fact, we said it this way, whether we're talking about let's go, or you're talking about anything in your life, that if God is calling you there, staying here is never an option. When you start to realize that God's kind of doing something in your heart and, and he's calling you somewhere else, you know what that does is it builds courage inside of you because you can look back and you can see how faithful God was in the past. And you, and you realize that he wants us to operate with the character of not just where we're going, but how we're gonna get there, and ultimately then to have confidence that he's gonna be with us every single step of the way, just as he has been in the past. But then you'd stop and ask a really logical question. Okay, well, if God is calling us from here to there, where is the there? <laughs> and so last week, we did all that we could to try to connect some of those dots and fill in those blanks for us as a church. And so if, if you weren't here, you know, go back and sure watch what we were doing, but we've also got a, a trifold brochure under several of the seats there, and it just kind of hopefully fills in some of those blanks a little bit. We said that in Let's Go, what we're trying to do is march into the future for us as a church and this would be for us as we think about what it means to reach our community, just how important it is to have a 24-7 facility, and COVID kind of taught us that. Uh, because we love being in this space, um, but we can get kicked out for any reason <laughs> from the FCPS. Um, and as a matter of fact, don't tell anybody, but there's like a list of priorities. And um, the first is like PTA groups, they get to use this space, but then if like the Boy Scouts wanna use this space, they get priority. We are dead last as a house of worship. We can be kicked out for any reason. Don't tell them that, because we don't want anyone to do that. But it is just the way that it is, right? So this is a great flexible solution for us, but it's ulti ultimately like a faulty one. And, and even more so than that, when we think about what's the most effective way to reach this community of Brunswick, 
Brunswick and Lovettsville and Burkittsville and Harpers Ferry, we believe that having a facility that we can point people to is a critical part of that. And so through this Let's Go campaign, it's really phase one as we, as we march towards having a facility of our own, a 24-7 facility. And the way that we described it last week was much like when you find yourself as a family having a pivot point. You know, for us, it was when we went from just being a married couple to now being pregnant with kids. And we said this apartment that we love and this apartment that's met all our needs, you know, now those needs are shifting. And so we don't need the home that we're gonna retire in forever. We just need the thing that's gonna help move us forward. And so as church leadership, we're recognizing as faithful as God has been and this period of time is wonderful for us. We're seeing him continue to bless and we wanna be in a position where we're better able to impact our community, where we're more effective at reaching our community through having a space that we can have as a ministry hub. And so kind of phase one of this, of, of, of doing that is, is this Let's Go campaign and our goal would be to raise somewhere in the vicinity of $400,000 and we've talked with consultants who looked at us as a church and said, how healthy are you? Can we do this? And they said, yes, we believe that you can do that. And so the way that we kind of described this, this campaign is in three buckets. Imagine I had three buckets and the first one was here and as that filled, it kind of cascaded into the second one and the third one. The first one is for a 24-7 facility and if, and if we could find today an f- existing facility, some factory somewhere, something that would work inside our parish, we would go for that. But if that doesn't happen, then we also wanna be ready and be in a position to take action on um, maybe a piece of property or something. So this is about getting ready for that. That's the first bucket. The second bucket would be that we want to just we don't want we don't just want to serve ourselves. We don't just want to be what's comfortable for us, but we want to be about advancing the kingdom of God forward through multiplying churches. Because here's what we know: healthy things multiply. Healthy things multiply. The model in Scripture was disciples making disciples, churches planting churches. And while we're not there right now. We wanna be in a place where as God blesses us and maybe we're able to approach 200 to 300 people, we're actively thinking about planting more churches, maybe in Thurmont or in Boonesboro or in Charlestown, outside of our 10 mile radius around Brunswick. So we want to now, and we have been since we've started, be putting funds in that place where we could say we are ready to plant a church when the right time happens as a church body. And in order to do that, the third bucket is just investing in leadership. And so if God continues to bless and we're able to fill one, two, and and then eventually we'd love to be able to fund a worship arts internship here. And what we've said is that it's great to have this desire to go where God is calling you to go. And when that happens, you have all of, the, all of the courage that he's gonna be with you and you have the character to do it the right way and you now have this confidence that he's gonna be there with you. But being ready isn't enough that you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan to do that. And last week, we talked about this crazy plan that God had for the nation of Israel as they were stepping into the promised land. And God said, hey, this land is for you and there's this, there's this city of Jericho in the way and here's the plan of how that's gonna be taken down. As it comes to what God is calling us to do, we said the plan for us would, be, would involve individual personal financial sacrifice over the next three years above and beyond what you would normally give in order that we would be able to raise these funds to make this sort of future a reality. And so what we asked each family to do is just to pick a number, to talk about it, to pick a number, and ultimately we would wanna say that that number is God's number and not ours. 
And we're asking that that would be something that's like the biggest gift that anyone's ever given to a church ministry before because that's what we're processing as leaders as well. And, and that number is, is a commitment over three years. It's a commitment over three years. So it's possible that someone would be like, hey, I've got this great amount of savings and we're ready to pounce. It's possible that could happen. But I think most people would be in a space where they'd say, over the next three years, this is what we think God is calling us to. And so they would think, I'm gonna divide that by 36 and that would kind of represent a monthly chunk of that and so they're thinking in the terms of three years. Now one of the things that I've experienced is I've stepped into this and I've never led through something like this. I've never been a part of this. So I've had lots of conversations with colleagues and other pastors who've gone through this before. And in my mind, there's only like one way of meeting a need in the church. But you know, God is so much bigger than that and his ways are higher than that. And his, his thoughts are higher than that. And as I was talking with a colleague, he said, you know, we had someone come in and, and they said, hey, we're behind this. We think this is great. God is doing big things in this church and we wanna be about that. We don't have the means to be able to put like finances behind that but my my family owns about a hundred acres and so we'd like to give the church 10 acres would that be okay it's like yes of course that would be okay and actually the church was built on that property so in my dim thinking I have one box that this fits in but I know that God moves in other sorts of ways so it might be the case that someone says well I don't I'm not able to contribute something financially but you know I inherited this bass boat I don't even like fishing. So can like the church take the bass boat? Like we'd sell that and maybe use that? It's like, absolutely. You know, that's an example of God doing things outside of our own kind of enclosures. And, and it's this, that we would prepare the horse for battle, right? We would be diligent to lead forward, but ultimately the battle belongs to the Lord. But I wanna take a moment this morning to re- reiterate something in a different kind of way that kind of gets at the spirit of what we're talking about as a church family. And I wanna give you a thought that's actually a critical thought, and you don't even have to be a Christian for this to be true in any area of your life, but this certainly is true for us and where we're at as a church right now, and it's this. That we would understand that the decisions that we make today set the foundation for the kinds of stories that we're gonna tell tomorrow. The decisions that we make today tell the, uh, lay the foundation for the kinds of stories that we're gonna tell tomorrow. And this is true. This is true for your business. This is true for your marriage. This is true for your city. This is true for your health goals. And this is absolutely true for church world as well. See, lots of churches will sit around and tell the stories of the good old glory days when we had lots of young people attending the church and there were kids all around. And, and we had people coming and growing, we had to add chairs, and wasn't that all amazing? But they never step back, and they never make the decisions in their current moment that will help them tell stories in the future. I've seen that play out time and time again. And so we would look and say, God, we wanna be in a place where we're gonna set that framework, we're gonna set that scaffolding, so that we're gonna be able to tell great stories in the future, stories where people are far from God, these are your neighbors, these are your children, these are your grandchildren, and they've had a place to come and hear about Jesus, and they've had a ministry hub where we're able to have like summer programs and sports programs take place in this, in this environment, and they're able to hear about Jesus. Stories where we're able to meet needs in the community, and we're able to make a real difference. Or simply put, that God's kingdom would become more clear, that Jesus would be more famous because of the decisions that we're making today. And so we believe that we kind of need to have the framework for those decisions. And so let's go is really about setting that up so that we can tell stories in the future about how God faithfully provided us for us here and we're able to set up good wins in the future. 
Now, this is a lot to take in and digest, and if you're new with us, I want you to know this is like a very unique conversation. This is not how we normally roll, but if you call Grace Fellowship Church home, and as we've been talking, you're like, I have some questions. I'm not sure about this. What if this happens? What if, how should we process this? We want you to know that we'd love to engage with you with those kinds of questions, and so there's a, an email address. You can send your questions to campaign at gracefellowship.church, and our team would love to interact with you on that. Now, listen. When it comes to anything in your life that God is calling you to move from here to there, you can be all excited and you can have the courage and the confidence and the character that God is gonna be there with you, that you're gonna do it in such a way that honors him and you can have a plan and you can be all pumped about it but we all know that there has to be that moment. There's actually that moment when you step into what God has called you to do. And we kind of have a glimpse of this when you think about like Hollywood, right? And how Hollywood, inter- how Hollywood acts. So imagine that you're on the set of like your favorite sitcom and all the actors are there and the director's there and the producer's standing by and they have all the makeup people and the light people, they're all there. Everything's been set. They've memorized the lines, but there is that moment where the director says, and action. And in that moment, all the preparation, all the lines that have been memorized, all of this theory All of this story that had been written down now comes into action, it comes into reality. It moves from something that was on paper and was abstract to something that you can experience and you can sense it and it feels real. And it moves from this idea of we've done some work and we've memorized some lines and we've thought about this and instead we're gonna live it out. And I think there's a tendency in our lives I know it's true for me. There's a tendency in our lives where we're thinking about this place that we want to go, these changes we want to make, and we think about it and we get all amped up and we say, okay, I feel ready for this. Ready, aim, 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 and we never actually fire. But the truth is, listen, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, the Christian faith is an active faith. In fact, our church, our group of churches that we're a part of across the world and across North America come from a people group that would say it's not enough to stand up and recite a creed. It's not enough to just get up and say I believe this, but it actually has to impact our lives. This was a group of people in Europe that were called themselves the pietists and they said, you know, we're not just gonna get up and say I'm gonna recite this creed, but it's gonna impact how I live it out with my kids and how I live it out with my spouse and my neighbor and how I treat the government and they took it very seriously that it wasn't just lip service. It has to live out, it has to affect how we live it out. Jesus' brother James says it this way. He says, faith without works, it's dead. It has to accompany your faith. Works has to accompany it. And God says, listen, if you're gonna follow me, if you're gonna follow me and it's gonna be actual and real and true, it has to go from just, I'm thinking about it, to it rattles around inside your heart, and then it actually comes out in your hands and how you treat one another and how you deal with your finances and how you vote and, and in how you conduct yourself in your neighborhood but I've been a Christian long enough and I've been alive long enough to know that there's something true in our lives in general and certainly true in the church world as well. That when it's all said and done, more is often said than done. 
When it's all said and done, more is often is said than done. And I know, I know I said I would forgive them. I know I said I would step into being more generous and being plugged into community. And I know I said I would share my faith. But unfortunately, oftentimes more is said than is done. And I teach music throughout the week, and I love working with my students, but invariably, this is what happens over Christmas break or summer break, is the students come in and they say, man, I really, I really am gonna practice over Christmas break. I'm telling you, I'm gonna have lots of time available, and I'm just gonna practice three times a day, and I'm gonna get so great, and I'm gonna be, it's gonna be so awesome, and you're gonna be like so impressed, and I go, that's, that's amazing, that's really great. I'm so glad to hear you say that. But more often than not, What's said is not always done. Oftentimes in our lives, there's this gap between what we say we will do and what we will actually do. And listen, this can be true about the reputation of us as Christ followers. And sometimes that's unfair, sometimes that is fair. But that can be our, represent, our reputation that we don't step into what God has actually asked us to do. And so when we think about this let's go campaign, when we think about God calling any of us to go from here to there, we've got to have a plan and we've got to be ready for all of that and we've got to have the courage and the confidence and the character that only God can provide. But there's actually a moment where we have to step into it. Turn in your Bibles. There's the orange Bibles under your seats. If you don't have one, to page 167 in Joshua chapter 6. And if you don't have a Bible, please take the one under your seat. That's our gift to you. Just write your name in it and bring it back every week, right? It's yours. But I want to remind ourselves of this story, kind of what's been going on. God's people, the Israelites, were on this church-wide family adventure of going from here to there and God promised them the promised land and so they're on the, the, the banks of the river Jordan and between them and their promised land was this city, this big scary city of Jericho and we learned in chapter six that it's protected by the king of Jericho and it had these huge walls and so the king saw that they were coming, he locks down the gates, he says no one's coming in, no one's going out, but God told Joshua, listen, I'm going to give you the victory. It's already done. Those, that king, those fighting men are gonna be delivered into your hands. I will deliver you this victory. And then last week, we, we talked about this crazy plan that God says, this is how it's gonna happen, Joshua. Are you ready? This is what's gonna happen. He says, you're gonna go, and you're gonna walk around the city. Like, no armored division, no Navy SEALs. You're just gonna walk around the city. Now listen, if I, if I were Joshua leading a group of people and God gave me that kind of plan to communicate with y'all, you know, that would have been a major faith-stretching moment for me and for you. And so for six days, Joshua says, we're gonna have to have the kind of faith to do what God says, even when we don't see a single brick fall. And we're gonna have to keep listening to God because God wanted them to tell the kind of story where he was the hero and where they weren't. And that's gonna be our story if we step out in faith. It won't be us, it's gonna be our God as well. And so look at 
Joshua chapter 6, page 167. This is what it says. It says, so Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and says to them. Now, quick pause here. Don't, I don't normally do this, but like the first part of that in the previous verse was God talking to Joshua, but now the audience shifts, and it's Joshua speaking to the people. Now, I would not be so bold to tell you that when it comes to this Let's Go series that I'm saying God has spoken to us and it's got the same, I wouldn't be so bold outside of scripture to say that. But what I would say is this, that as leaders, we've stepped back and we've asked the spirit of God to give us wisdom and to give us faith. And that's the intersection where the spirit of God always is. In James chapter one, he says, if you ask for wisdom, he's gonna give it to you. If you ask and you don't doubt. And so we've stepped back and we said, God, what's the best way for our church to move forward, to, to see people come to Christ? And with the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of faith, he said, this is the pathway, this is wisdom. And so I stand before you just humbly but boldly saying, we've sought out the Lord and I'm speaking to you what God has spoken to us about what is wise and what is full of faith. And so Joshua speaks to them and he says, this is the plan that God has given us that we're supposed to take the Ark of the Covenant and this is what's gonna bring victory and we're supposed to have seven priests carry the trumpets in front of it And he ordered the army, hey, advance around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. And this is what he said for them to do, to walk around the city with the people that God had asked them to do. Now, I I want you to see something in the text that hopefully should kind of show up for us as we read this. I want you to think about how many action words are shared in the next few verses. It says, when Joshua had spoken to the people... The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. And their armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets. And the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. And so they go around the city, they play their trumpets, and they move forward in the text continues in verse 10. But Joshua had commanded the army, don't give a war cry, don't raise your voices, don't say a word until the day I tell you to shout, and then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and the army returned to camp, and they spent the night there. And I just imagine, as just a pause, like, could you imagine what the people in Jericho were thinking? Here comes this huge mass of people and we're in trouble and what are they doing? Are they getting ready for the ramparts to breach the wall and they peek over? All they see is people in a line with blowing some horns, like what's going on? And the Israelites were thinking, man, what's going on? But they go home and they go to bed and they're probably thinking, what gives? Like nothing happened. But God, listen, this is what you've asked us to do and so we're gonna trust you to be God in the middle of all of this. And I love what happens next. It says, Joshua got up early. Joshua got up early because his heart was one of obedience and was one of excitement to believe, listen, that God was going to be God. Even though a single brick had not fallen Joshua said, listen, God, you told me not to be afraid. You told me that you were always gonna be with me. You told me that the victory would be ours. And so listen, I set my alarm and I did not hit snooze. I am ready to lead the people forward. He continues. 
The next morning in the priest, so he got up early the next morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets, they went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord, blowing their trumpets, and the armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and they returned to camp. And these next words are pretty critical. And they did this for six days. And they said, God told us to do this, so we're gonna do it and we're gonna make it happen. And for six days they marched. And then I love what happens next because not only did Joshua get excited, but everyone has caught it too. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. Listen, you don't have to read the Bible a lot to recognize that seven is a significant number. It represents the power and the perfection of God's plan being perfectly executed out. So they've walked around seven times. It says the seventh time around when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now next week, the walls are gonna come down and that's where we're gonna pick it up. But here's what I want us to see this weekend as it pertains to let's go, as it pertains to my life, my family's life, as your life as well. Is that you can say that you're gonna do anything and you can have the courage and the confidence and the character along the way and you can have a plan but there's got to be that moment just like it was for Israel. Listen, for Israel, their moment was when their talk became their walk. See what I did there? Because they actually had to walk. I thought that was pretty solid. You know, that the talk became a walk. Or the way I put it in, in my notes is that their faith had to become a leap. We're so used to saying the leap of faith, but listen, their faith had to become a leap. And if you say you're gonna be called to do anything, it's, it's not enough just to have the desire. You have to have the faith that leaps, the faith that actually takes action because I can talk about it and I can write about it and I can post to my friends and I can text them. I can even buy outfits that say I'm gonna be ready for this thing, but I actually have to take the faith of leap. And listen, there are those times where we're sitting on the edge of the diving board and we're not gonna experience the full power of the dive until we actually jump in and we can say we're gonna do something but listen it never comes to fruition until our faith actually has a leap and for Israel listen their faith had a leap when their walk became their their talk became their walk and independent of let's go independent of what we're talking about as a church family and when it comes to your life and what God is saying hey you need to take some bold action in this space Would you be willing to let your talk become a walk? Would you let your faith actually turn into a leap? And maybe it's by rejecting passivity or indifference when it comes to the kind of TV shows that you allow into your house. Maybe it's your abuse of a substance. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in that you shouldn't be in. Maybe it's stepping in to forgive somebody or encourage someone that God's put on your heart. But this week, would you allow your talk to become your walk? And would you step into obedience? Because here is never an option when God is calling us there. And no one, no one experiences the promised land 
until they're ready to make their faith a leap. Like this is no secret, as it pertains to let's go, probably one of the most clear places where our talk needs to become a walk is in an area that for much of our culture is one of the biggest idols that we have, and that has to do with our, our wallets. You know, Jesus is super clear in the New Testament. Did you know that he talks about money more than he talks about heaven and hell combined? I'm gonna say that again because people sometimes get nervous like when people in church start talking about money, but listen, if Jesus talks about it so much, maybe we should too. Because what Jesus says is that there's a dynamic link between your treasure and where your heart is. And if you wanna know what you treasure, it's just a matter of looking at your pocketbook. It will never lie. You wanna see what you treasure, look at what you put your time, your talents, and your treasures into. And as it pertains to this, there's no, kind of, there's no secret of what we're talking about. We're aiming that we would be able to, as a church family, the, those that call this home, that we would be raising somewhere in the vicinity of $400,000 over the next three years to help us move into an existing facility to buy property. And it's gonna take our personal financial sacrifice altogether above and beyond what we normally give. But listen to me. Like, look at me. I... I don't think that this is just about us having a better future as a church and us just having another, like a facility. And I don't even think this is only about impacting generation after generation after generation. I think this is the right thing for me to do and for our leadership to do and for us as a church family to do because of how it's gonna ask and require us to trust in God. And how it's gonna require us to really know his heart. And listen, I think this is fundamentally about are we willing to trust God in this area? And that's true for us as individuals, that's true for us as leaders, that's true for us as a church community. Because God called his people to get up and march and to blow trumpets, right? And they had to step out of these ruts that they were in. They had to say, I have to be willing to cross over the river. We've been in our zone for so long and we're used to operating this way. And they had to gather their resources and they actually had to take a step outside of what they were comfortable on and with because they had to be called to step in and actually trust that God was going to do what he said he was going to do and that God was going to deliver them. Did you ever wonder why God would ask Joshua and the nation of Israel to have both faith and action? Like, wh why did he require both of those things? They needed to have faith because if they had gone in and it was only because they were excellent ta you know, tactical warriors and they had all of these you know, mechanized units and they had the strongest horses and chariots, you know, if they went in and just mopped up by their own strength, then it would be their story they were gonna tell and it was gonna be their arrogance. So they needed to have faith. But I think an equally interesting question is why didn't God, I mean, why did it require their action at all? Like, God, couldn't God have just sent in like an angelic cruise missile strike, you know, and knock out the walls and just, whoop-bam, it's all done, and, and then they just walk in and that's all it was? Why did it require their action at all? I think it's because God didn't just want to do something through them. 
But I think God wanted to do something in them as well. Because he knew that them choosing to step out and trust God with their resources and trust God with their provisions and trust God with their unity and with their time and with their culture and with their future, it required that they would actually learn and actually know and trust and lean on the heart and the mind of God. You know what I've experienced in my years following God? is the times that I've felt the most amount of intimacy with him has been the times when I've needed to lean on him the most. And the times when maybe even it seemed like, God, I don't know how this is even gonna possibly work, but God, if you don't come through, I'm gonna look like a fool. And Lord, if you don't come through, what are people gonna think about me? And God, how can we make it through this chapter in our lives? And those were the moments where I experienced his presence stronger than any other time when I was relying on my own strength in the middle of all of that. See, maybe God wanted this from them and not just for them because he knew that the pathway to intimacy was only gonna come when they learned to trust and lean on his heart. Because listen, they might have been up against a Jericho and God needed to demonstrate his character to them and what he can and would do, but that wasn't the last obstacle they were gonna have on the way to their promised land. And I think God looks at us and he says, hey, you've got an obstacle in front and I need it to be both your faith and your action at play here. And it's not just gonna be your action and it's not just gonna be your faith because I want you to see that I am trustworthy and dependable and that if you take steps of faith, I'm gonna come through for you because you know what? It's on the other side of this thing that you're up against right now. Another thing. And then there's gonna be another thing. And he wants me and he wants you to learn to trust his heart. And so he calls us into the battle as well. And he calls us to trust him because trust is always the currency of true intimacy. I believe this campaign is not just about us dreaming about the future. It's about us as individuals stepping into a deeper and a growing relationship with God who wants us to know him better. So listen. If someone came in today and said, I'm gonna write a check for a million dollars to your church, I believe in what you're doing, that would be awesome for the campaign. Like, that would be gnarly for our budget. But listen, that would not be good for our church. Because you know what it would do? It would mean I'm no longer on the hook to trust in God. And it would mean you're no longer on the hook to trust from God too. That's why we've said we're gonna measure success in this whole thing, not simply by what's like the dollar figure, but by participation, and how many people are stepping into this and growing in this area. See, God does what he does when we step out in faithful obedience, and the nation of Israel, listen, they got to have their own personal discipleship experience as they stepped into what God asked them to do. They're walking around the walls every day, and God met them, and God grew them, and God taught them, and when we start giving to this, when we start sacrificing, when we start stepping into obedience in risky ways in our lives, God's gonna interact with us differently 
than when we don't. And God's gonna interact differently with us when we choose to step into this as opposed to just someone else is taking care of the needs and someone else is writing a check. But let me tell you, in case you're thinking this, like there's no other organization there's no other like, like central command out there that's saying, hey, we're gonna take care of this for your church. Like this is a, a church body thing. Like we decide to do this. I think this is what God wants us to do, not just because it's about our future, but because it's about our hearts and it's about my heart. So next week what we're gonna do is we kind of culminate the whole series is, and I, don't, and I don't want anyone to be surprised by this as well, but you're going to get one of these cards next week, and we're going to ask everyone to look at it and fill it out, and we're going to respond together, and it just has some simple information here, and it has kind of like, this is what God's been moving in our family, and this is what our total gift is going to be above and beyond what we've normally given, and, and we're asking people to step in and give the kind of the biggest gift they've ever given to ministry before to trust God in this area. That's what my wife and I are processing. And I shared last week that Jennifer and I have been talking about, God, what is that number for us? Is that our number or God's number? And I would say to Jen, hey, this is what I'm thinking about, and she'd say this is what she's been thinking about, and we kind of compare notes. And as I think about that for our family, it causes me to say, God, can I really trust you? And you know what I wanna do? I wanna hedge that bet. I do. I want to hedge that bet, but God's saying, do you really trust me in that area? Am I trustworthy? Have I been trustworthy in the past? I will be trustworthy in the future, and it causes us to trust God more deeply, and it's going to change what we do. It's going to change how we vacation. vacation. It's going to change some things that we can do around our house or activities for us as a family. But listen, I, I wouldn't want to miss a single moment as a family for what God's going to do in our church. So we're gonna figure it out, and this is gonna be this moment, this is gonna be the moment for all of us when our, our walk becomes a talk, when we have that faith of leap. And so this is, what I, I, this is what I wanna ask you to do this week, as we've already asked you to be thinking about that. This is a church-wide thing. Everybody's doing that. Everyone's on the, in the car ride on this family adventure. But specifically this week, here's what I wanna ask everybody to do. And there's a number of these cards underneath some of the seats there. I didn't quite have enough. My printer gave up on me this week. But here's what I wanna have everybody do, is that on Wednesday... Wednesday, everyone that calls Grace Fellowship Church home, that we would spend Wednesday in prayer and fasting. Now, fasting is new for a lot of people. That's not something that we normally do, so I just wanna take a moment and describe what fasting means. Fasting is not simply not eating. That's just starving yourself. But what fasting is doing is it's, it's using these natural biorhythms of the body to remind you about your dependence on God, that man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so the idea would be on Wednesday that we all fast. And so I'm asking you to set a timer on your phone for Tuesday night so you would eat your meal on Tuesday night and then eat again on Wednesday night. So you would not eat breakfast or lunch, but that would be 24 hours between those two times. And every time you get hungry, every time you get hungry, you're seeking the Lord and you're saying, God, I'm asking that my trust would grow deeper for you and maybe it's another area that God's illustrated in your heart as we've talked about moving from here to there. Maybe it's some sin issue you need to confess. Maybe it's some area that you need to break free of. Maybe it's some relationship you need to operate differently in. Maybe you're gonna seek him for that. I'd ask you to be praying for our church. Now, what I have on this card here is something that God's been deeply speaking to me 
and it just has Psalm 23. And so I put it on here with a thought that is, as you enter into a time of prayer and fasting, you feel like, I don't even know what to do. Like, what do I pray about? This is a really well-known psalm, but listen, this has deeply impacted me this week. And even as elders this last week, we prayed about, prayed through this. And it, and it simply says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And that one phrase alone, just to meditate on it and chew on it, to think, wait a minute, the Lord is my shepherd, not Scott is my shepherd. And he's my shepherd, so that means he cares for me, and sometimes he corrects me, and he leads me beside quiet waters, and he restores me, and he, he cares for me, and he protects me. That's what's true about my Lord. And then it says this, I lack nothing. I lack nothing when he's my shepherd. And how that makes my heart pivot from this place of freaking out to God, you've got this. So this is available just as a tool to meditate through and pray through on a time like Wednesday. So take that with you and use that. But let me close with this. A few weeks ago, I was um, working in my garage. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working in there, and I can barely even work my way through there because there's so much stuff in my garage. And there's these antiques that we just had to go out of the way to go buy these antiques, and they're just sitting there, and they've not done anything. And there's a motorcycle helmet, and I don't even have a motorcycle. And there's this foam airplane that I had built, and it crashed, and it's now just a pile of junk. And there's this table that we had refinished, and we had bought on Facebook Marketplace because we had to have it, and it had been refinished, but now it's broken, and it doesn't even have a home. And so we had all this stuff that was just that we sacrificed to buy, that we sacrificed, it affected our budget, and now it's just a pile of junk. And we loaded it up under the back of the trailer, and we went to the Frederick landfill, and the Mitchells were there. Hey, Mitchells, how are you? They were literally at the landfill too. And, and so we took all this stuff that had affected our budget, and we threw it on a pile of discarded mattresses, old diapers, and, and discarded cupboards from an old kitchen renovation. The stuff that we just had to have. But I was like, so excited to get at this moment. Was now gonna be pushed by a loader into an emaciator and dumped into a truck and carried away and put into a landfill. Stuff I had to have. I think all of us wanna invest in something that will last for eternity. We wanna invest in something that will last. And God, God's word says that eternity is on our hearts, is placed in our hearts. And listen, your, your, your workplace, your organization, it's either gonna fail or you're gonna retire and they're gonna move on to someone else. Or the car that you had to have is eventually gonna give way and it's gonna be compacted and end up in the same landfill. Or the house that you bought is someday gonna crumble or your team is going to lose. But in the end of everything, God's kingdom will endure forever and ever. In fact, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is a surefire thing and kings and kingdoms have been trying to snuff out the church of the living God for 2,000 years and it keeps getting stronger. In China, it is exploding. God's kingdom is the thing that will last. And when we step into investing in that, 
that's putting our treasure and our heart in the same place. And listen, that's what we were called to do when we met our creator in the first place, is to invest in his kingdom. That's what we were designed to do. And so for us, listen, this is that place where, where we would say, God, we're here and we want to invest in your kingdom. I choose to trust in you. My faith is going to become leap. Our talk is going to turn into walk. And we would say, God, would you just use what's given to create momentum for eternity, something that will last? I want to ask everyone just to stand to your feet, and then we're going to do something that's a little bit different here today. And I'm going to ask that our hands and our bodies take on the posture that our hearts should have. So what I want you to do is just to take your arms and kind of stretch them out like this, every person. And if maybe you're not a Christ follower, you can just stand, and that's fine. But if you call this place home, if you're a follower of Jesus, we would place our hands out, and we would say, God, I'm going to surrender to you. And God, I'm just recognizing everything that you've given me comes from you. And all these treasures that I am pursuing after, God, I, I want your kingdom to be the thing that endures. And we're going to respond just singing that song that we learned earlier. All of these tre- treasures that were fade. God, if, if I have Jesus, I have all I need and I want to be about his kingdom. Why don't you pray with me and we'll continue our time in worship. God, as our hands, our hearts are surrendered before you, We're just doing this in recognition uh, recognition that you're the creator and you are so worthy and we recognize you that you are the one that does this work in our hearts. So Father, we ask that your spirit would move in us and create in us a posture of our hearts and our soul that our hands have right now as well. That we would be surrendering and giving to you because God, what we're really saying is I'm trusting you with my treasure and this stuff that I hold so dear because you are greater than this. You are all that I need. You are our providence and we place our hope and our trust in you. God, as we do this, as we respond with faith, we rejoice that your faithfulness will do more than we could ask or imagine. And we have the deepest gratitude that you didn't hold back your son, but that he laid his life down for us. So we just want to give back our lives in these moments of worship and we sing to you and we honor you and we pray these words that we're singing in the name of Christ, amen.